A penny saved is a penny earned, but 91,000 pennies is punitive and pun-worthy. In March, Andreas Flatten from Fayetteville, Georgia, got his final overdue paycheck from a local auto shop in the form of a pile of pennies with a note that read, Fuck you, perched atop it. When asked to comment on the incident, Flatten commented, It's apparent the folks at AOK Walker Auto Works felt I didn't have any sense. Well, if you wanted honesty, you've come to the wrong place. This is the quarantined edition of the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. I love that Michael's just going to be like yelling at me like he's a cab driver speaking over his shoulder to the back seat. <laughs> what was that? Turn so, here? So you're from Queens originally, huh? <laughs> you want the tunnel you? traffic. <laughs> so I take the tunnel over here. Uh, the George Washington. Who the fuck jumps off the George Washington Bridge? You jump off the Brooklyn Bridge traditionally. <laughs> I still need to rewatch it, but I'm not ready. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful movie, is what it is. It is. It makes me happy and sad. It like every good Coen Brothers picture. It brings the hurt and the heel. That's what they tell me. Yes. <sighs> well, what are you gonna do? I'm full. I'm lethargic now. Oh, okay. So the uh, that uh, post chicken energy is just gonna kill everybody. Yeah, it's the same thing at work. Uh, like we have dope food trucks, and when I do indulge, I indulge quickly and heavily, and then I get back onto the floor, and I feel like I'm about to die for like two hours, and then I get a random burst of energy, and then I can't go to sleep until four a.m. And oh, I feel like poor that's... Becky. So what you're saying is we need to make this a two and a half hour long episode. Well, how does one approach the sunset of Colonel Sanders? <laughs> it is the twilight of our lives. <laughs> and the boulevard of broken dreams, or borkin drums. <laughs> borkin drums. As we have learned from our previous experiences. But uh, I was going to say, on my way over here, I was telling John earlier that I experienced a plethora of images and uh, obscenities on my way. Because I, I chose to take the uh, surface streets as opposed to a freeway. I wanted to enjoy my time. So I cruised up Indian School and, uh, and then rode up Hayden. So I, I had a good old time. But there is such a cavalcade of characters <laughs> that uh, for the first time in my life, I saw Norm Summerton on a bicycle. Huh, imagine that a pig with tits. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There was a there was a bald cat who was trying to put a Hawaiian shirt on while he was riding a bike and he was flopping around at least a C cup. Was it right outside of my work? No. <laughs> What's strange, uh, it was uh, pretty far removed, but it's more my neighborhood. So I I just live in a cultural slew or a slurry of cliches, apparently. Yeah. Because there was just a a wealth of people in stretch pants hauling strings of children behind them. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. This is just things I was like, you couldn't have copied and pasted this out of like, you know, the white person's uh, subjective cookbook over here. I was like, this is what they must look like over here in these poor communities. I was like, oh God, don't. And then here comes Norm Summerton, tattoos on a bald head, and he's got his arm in the air behind him, so he's riding with you know left hand on the bike, and he's trying to put the shirt on, and he's just flopping him around. And I was like, oh my God, I know where he lives. He's relocated from Canada's 
to get the poutine down here. What's funny is that I've tried my level best not to reference the podcast that I listen to, like, mm. you know, the big popular ones, just so that we could focus on what we do. <laughs> However, you bring up Norm Summerton, he goes into a resting period and then he reemerges. So he, he becomes shameful of his fetish work. Mm. When I have no idea why. So he's a bear. Sure. He's got a hybrid. Um so he'll <laughs> he'll get really heavy into it. He'll upload a lot of uh, a lot of videos and then he'll disappear. And like they the first time he disappeared, they reached out to his tattoo artist and they like interviewed their his tattoo artist and that was a really fun interview. Um and then the, he he just recently reemerged and he is back at it in ways he's doing things with bodily fluid that would surprise you you know you've done something wrong in life when you have to do a wellness check on a like pervert <laughs> like you've gone pretty far afield if there that are pervert folks who could are... have been your grandpa that pervert was my grandfather <laughs> but he put the cups in different places uh, but uh, I, yeah i never had to do a wellness check on him he he was like a bad penny he just kept showing up <laughs> I heard he was beaten off in public. I loved that man, you know, in ways that are biblically unacceptable, but were fun at the time. And uh, they don't wither with age. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. I'm <laughs> like, sorry, Steve. like, oh, my God. This, uh, this my one. mother ever hears this. It's like, no, I didn't have incestuous relations with the, you know. I, I Legitimately, that he and I were very close. So, like, hearing the parallels of my own life as they will probably eventually manifest, I'm like, yeah, I see how you got there. I shouldn't, but I do. It's making more and more sense. Yeah, yeah. So that's how you know you might need to watch me. Don't let me around your loved ones. It's uh, it's going to be bad news for all involved parties. I try to make a joke about people having tits, and you try to make it real on me over here. So <laughs> I didn't make it real. I was you brought just... my grandfather into this, which <laughs> was not real. It, it wasn't a podcast topic. I'm saying firstly. that Norm Summerton. Norm Summerton looks like someone's pervert grandpa, so I wasn't a. I wasn't. Yeah, but assigning. you said your, as in your dildo. We try not, not a like dildo. You <laughs> didn't say he could be a grandpa. You said he could be it's your grandpa. Dildo. You implied possession, John. I'm My sorry. Apologies. Yeah, he could be a perverted grandpa. He could. <laughs> and uh, Mrs. Mrs. Cuckleton's, uh, you know, finishing school for wayward boys. <laughs> Is uh, gonna be short a headmaster, and by that I mean he gives a lot of blowjobs. He really does. Yeah, it's great. Anywho, I got this off in the great. Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, last week was a lot of fun. Shout out Super Van Stephen, who had a lot of fun, and he uh, indicated he would be happy to make a return engagement. Oh, at we some didn't point. scare him away. No, no, he's okay. ready for more. That's a compliment. As most people who spend a night with me uh, in a secluded wing of uh, some <laughs> random building. Are ready for more. Okay. Primed for a second coming. Always leave them. <laughs> there we go. Like like the Christian faith before me, I primed everybody for not just one, but two comings. <laughs> I love how self-conscious John was after recording that. He was like, did I talk about like sex and porn too much? And I was like, John, he like listens to this podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> he knows what he signed he up it for. This far. Yeah, he's pretty well aware of what the situation is before he got in. <laughs> well, I just think about... Um, when I met Melissa for the first time. Yeah, that's your own fault, man. <laughs> so I really, as usual, like I really have no tact. So have we ever told that story? Does, I don't know. Did that make have. it onto air? I don't, I, don't, it's the, I don't think so. It's the ice cream story. Oh, so, I definitely don't recall. Yeah, go ahead. You, I'll let you tell it. Well, Shane it's... and Melissa just made it uh, official. Sounds so lame, but we've been Facebook seeing each other for a second. Yeah. It was it was time that, uh, in Shane's words, she was real. 
you know, like I'd made her a human. Yes. Yes. Ah. <laughs> so we were doing a gig up north, and we were all convening at Sam's house as we usually do, just to caravan up. And when we all got into the car to break the ice, I was I started talking about Shane and I's favorite subject. I was like, "Hey, Shane, have you seen this uh, Madison Ivy does anal?" video and i just i just started going really buck wild on the story and shane with from the time it took from us to leave sam's house to get to the highway which is about like less than three minutes Mm -hmm. uh is how long this went on and shane in so many words was like hey john what you need to understand is that some people aren't sick (laughs) and (laughs) and some people don't physically care for or want to hear about porn ever and I was like, well, what if instead of calling it porn, we just called it ice cream? So <laughs> oh, no. there was this ice cream model mm-hmm. and she was doing yeah. things to the ice cream. And yeah, he wasn't going to let the bit die. He wanted to. And I, I flat out just said, yeah, Melissa hates pornography and uh, <laughs> is just patently against it and disgusted by it. And this is either pre or post me saying like I was making a concerted effort to not watch pornography or engage so that, you know, she and I can just get back to being normal human beings and and hardwire in the other direction. And John's just like, yeah, so anyway, she's uh, she's taking this ice cream up her ass. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay, this is the hill we're going to die on, apparently. So it's like a way to make a good impression there, John. Even to this day. And I love Melissa, and you know and she's she always super these, nice so. to me. Um, in in the back of my head, I'm always suspicious that she's just secretly like this sick, twisted, <laughs> squarely Irish motherfucker. I think you and I have that exact same sort of relationship where I feel the same way every time I talk to Becky. I feel like she's looking at me out of the corner of her eye. She's like, "When is this fat bald fuck just gonna get the hell away from my husband and let <laughs> me have think? a normal relationship? Because <laughs> this whole Jay and Silent Bob shit's starting to get really old, and I'm just sick." <laughs> Uh, go into the narcissist corner real quick. Do you think that they have a group chat? No. <laughs> or they're just I, like, if they don't like us, they damn sure don't like each other. <laughs> the enemy of my enemy. Yeah, you think, but no, no. I really do. I envision Becky like giving you the uh, the um, the Holden McNeil speech from the beginning of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, where she's sitting there, is like. I just can't wait for the day where you finally come home. He's like, when, when, Lord, when am I ever going to get to have sex with my wife again? If I just let this simple son of a bitch leave me alone for five seconds, so I might actually be able to be intimate with a woman again. Would it make you feel better to know that uh, we we approach you the same way Jonah and Courtney do? If he's not talking about his dick, he's okay. We, <laughs> we put your voice on in the bedroom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. If, as long as I'm saying tubes of you, she loves me. But I mean, there's a lot of yes. time in between that where she does not seem and like I she does. I love her tubes. So. Isn't that weird? Yeah, strange. Wait, nothing? Michael tells 20 jokes that are awful, and I tell one. Do you want pity laughter, too? Can I get, <laughs> can I get the track? <laughs> I mean, technically, I, I also have headphones on both here, so I should probably just slide one off so I can actually uh, hear what you're record, saying. For the record, Becky loves you. What record are we on? Is there a stenographer <laughs> present? Because yes. I, I okay, all right. Well, uh, if it makes you feel better, Melissa loves you. This is he gross. Was, yeah, this is very gross. Unabashedly so. Does it's, she dislike anyone? No, I don't think she. Well, there are there are some people that annoy Melissa, but it's not like who. See, 
Because she's I mean, such I a kind-hearted they're spirit. Not, they're not people that you would know. Like, they're not in our circle. Oh, so you you really mind. have to work hard to get Melissa pissed off. But when you do... Is she adorable when she's mad? Yes. <laughs> she's like a little angry Pikachu. It... Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't say it is that. Like, she and I, funnily enough, we're going to do just... Uh, it's not like I don't have an hour and a half's worth of material to get into, but... Because he does. Yeah. We had a, like, really screaming argument with each other on, like, our third date, and we wow. were not going to see each other anymore. So what was the she, we are both really stubborn. I was impugning the Mormon church and I was sitting here going like all of these imbecilic in, individuals who need a handheld of like, oh, I'm so scared of the dark that I need to, you know, the, some purportedly magical Jew to save me. And she's like, you know, I haven't wholly decided I'm not a Christian anymore and I might still want to go back to church. It's like, well, you're a fucking imbecile then. And she and I Damn. just started whipping back and date. forth. Oh yeah. My God. We got real heavy and she and I left on kind of like course terms and we're not really and like a couple of days went by where we didn't talk. And then we agreed that we were just going to meet up and start over. I was like, let's just have uh, like lunch and a conversation. Obviously, this is not a good topic for us to discuss right now. So I still really like you and enjoy talking to you. So let's see whether or not if you're interested, I'm interested. And we went and had coffee in this really great... Or actually, we went to a diner in Old Town Glendale, which is right across from the Velma Teague Library. And uh, we just sat and had a conversation and had a really great time. Had a wonderful afternoon. Went and had uh, coffee at the coffee shop around the way I used to do shows at. Uh, Mama Java. And uh, it was a grand time. And we created a relationship right afterwards but yeah we had a, a real wobbly bit right there right up front so yeah she yeah. and i are both particularly stubborn when we want to be yeah i feel you hmm. yes yeah, good time that is a good time so yeah she does get angry when she wants to okay and it can be very aggressive huh so not an angry pikachu no no uh she's you know like chartar or something i don't think you're supposed to say that anymore <laughs> I'm just grabbing. I'm just grabbing at words right now. I'm just throwing together random like onomatopoeia to see if I can make a uh, you know a character. It's actually funny how close you were to an actual Pokemon. Like, okay, Choctaw. Said, I mean, if, yeah, if he would have Charizard, but <laughs> if he would have paid any attention to Twitch Play's Pokemon, then he would know at least two. Oh, I no, paid attention. I, I was I was like simmering with rage the entire time. So I was I was listening to what he was saying. They just weren't English words and. Uh, they weren't even Japanese words. It was no, no, they were not. Yeah, some jackass who dropped a bad tab and decided to just start rambling and foaming at the mouth, and it wasn't. Hey, okay. <laughs> this goddamn chair is busted. <laughs> Left me parked in the middle of the fucking parking lot. <laughs> Bullshit. Well, get out of this piece of shit town. Uh, well. For those of you who are uninitiated, we occasionally dive into random esoteric topics here on this glorious little show, and then, in the midst of explaining it to one another, we will lie occasionally just to make things interesting, and that is our premise, and it is fantastically entertaining. And quite frankly, it is the only thing that is keeping us from being permanently labeled like the Dr. Thunder of Last Pod on the left. I'm not entirely sure I understand the reference. I don't get that How? reference either. It's, uh, it's Mr. Pib for, like, Sam's Club is Dr. Oh! Thunder. Oh, okay, okay, got it. Oh, so Pepper it's not Pepper. even, like, second-tier Dr. Pepper. It's, like, fourth-tier Dr. Like Pepper. It's, like, below RC Cola. Basically, yeah. That's, we're we're that close to last pod. But we really, but pre-Courtney, 
have like the three personalities on that podcast are very much personalities on our podcast. They're just presented in a different manner. If Michael was halfway articulate, <laughs> we would be exact like copy and paste of that fucking show. Yeah. It's terrifying, actually. Uh, All you need to do is be interested in wrestling. Like the we're interchangeable for yeah. like we're kind of like paper dolls of the other two hosts and you know, we just flip flop depending on Are the you day saying that uh, michael would be a, a mr parks if he uh-huh. if he could talk yeah if he could speak yeah. which like, is a very high compliment he, he actually came up with the concept he was the researcher initially and then we learned uh but i mean you know we we had uh, we had the jazz band aspect initially up front and then you've got the whole church of satan tie that got really strong-winded and and, and yeah. ran that direction i got the wrestling thing uh, but you know, I do voices. I mean, and, you they know, are chasing after our success. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they Should have I been leave? coveting us. You're the anchor. Oh, you are the articulate one. Hey, listen, we have done a three living room tour as uh, the host of this podcast, yeah. and uh, you know, we sold out every time. Yeah. So we've got a really great track Standing record. Room only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're still sitting, but that. Oh. <laughs> You couldn't get anybody else in the room if you tried. <laughs> well, we do have Courtney's husband just laying on the couch downstairs right now in silence. Yeah. It's appropriate. He was like, leave? I need to take a nap. And I was like, that's why we brought two cars. Like, go home, take a nap. No. I might lay on their couch. That's fine, too. You're allergic to dogs. That's a bold choice. That is a bold choice. It's a comfy couch. I, I can understand text the text back and be like, there's going to be a sleeping man on the couch. Tell him, <laughs> tell the hobo to go home when you are ready. Um, if you find him in the downstairs bathroom, aggressively stroking his face and just hard staring himself, we might need to uh, have an investigation, get a Am priest I... over here to anoint yeah. him with oils and speak the words over his body. Is this real? Enough for you, Jonah. <laughs> oh no, I'm not real. He's doing like the rubber face thing and just rubbing it around, <laughs> molding himself into something different. Oh. Well, we actually did partake of a fried chicken meal before we recorded this thing, as we mm-hmm. somewhat alluded to mm-hmm. earlier, and it was delectable. So thank Fantastic. you, Courtney. Furthermore, Melissa, after having listened to two episodes, finally discovered that uh, she can have KFC. <gasps> Oh, man. The extra crispy does not use buttermilk. It veers away from the original recipe, which is something we will be discussing in today's episode. So we went and uh, snagged Kentucky Fried Chicken last week. And, man, this was a crucible. Uh, We put the order in in advance so that we could just drive up and and snag it. Uh, They had closed their (laughs) seating area, so you had to go through the drive-thru. As I was pulling to the drive-thru, a woman in a Chevy Malibu that was in park immediately threw it in a drive and cut me off, like rolled <laughs> six inches forward and, and made sure she got there. And she had a, uh, a small dachshund in, oh. in the back seat that was just bouncing back and forth from one window to the next. And I called him Mr. Weenie wag <laughs> and proceeded to have a dialectic in her toothless voice where she's like, Mr. Weenie wag want his chickens. You better give it to me right now. People burn when I don't get my chicken. In, exactly. And <laughs> oh, no. she was like gesticulating at the window when they'd walked away from her. So like she took 20 minutes to get her food out. Oh, I'm not kidding. God. We were sitting there for longer than it probably took them to kill the chickens, sacrifice them to Satan and then serve them. And she was just sitting there just doing this, like proselytizing to the air. 
She had the spirits going all through her. Mr. Weenie Waggle was just bouncing around the car like she'd set him on fire. God. And uh, Melissa just goes, she's like, we're never doing this again. Like, oh, yeah, you're no. right. Yeah, this KFC was a bad idea. But we uh, we went home. We had us some fried chicken. And uh, their their quality control has dropped pretty significantly. But uh, According is better, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No question. So you have made chicken that uh, would make the colonel happy as evidenced by what we are going to discuss today. So I'm going to take us into the final, the ultimate installment of the life and crimes of Colonel Sanders. Our longest running subject. Indeed. Mostly because Michael's a quitter. Yes. (laughs) True that. A spitter and a quitter. A liar and a frog. (laughs) Indeed. A hack and a frog. I will will have you now. But uh, for part four, we start with... The booze battles. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's going to get real grown up in here, children. It's gotten too personal. A pathway in Louisville's historic Cave Hill Cemetery leads straight to the man who changed the world of fried chicken forever. Below the bust designed by his daughter is Harlan Sanders, more affectionately known to billions across the globe, especially Japan, as Colonel Sanders. His contribution to the world is simply stated on his grave. The founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken Empire. Hey, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many lives? I'm getting there. <laughs> what? He's doing the intro. No. The lead-in. All right, there's seven lives. Like, I... What if he's lying in the intro? Oh. <laughs> Trying to give a little preamble no. here, for God's sakes. Let me set the mood for you. <laughs> I realize you've just had someone who just barrels into you without preamble for the past several years. It's called marriage, but Jesus, let me get the foreplay out of the way. What's a foreplay? Yeah, what is this? It's an eight-track tape that you cut in half. Is this a lie? (laughs) You mean the text message that I send that says, you up? (laughs) (laughs) Zion. W-Y-D, question mark, question mark, question mark. I don't know. What would Yeezus do? (laughs) All right. For president? (laughs) And lose. That's sad when, you know, the the crackpot with the worst hairdo in human history wins, and you married a Kardashian, and you can't even get on the fucking ballot. And then the Kardashian left you. Indeed. Sad. And one of them's Chewbacca. Anywho. Over the last several years, fervor has erupted over Sanders' television reemergence with a broad array of actors cast to play the company's iconic founder, including Mr. Mario Lopez, as you have seen from our Instagram this last week, which was delicious. I didn't know if that so. was a Photoshop job or not. It's a real movie. That's a real Lifetime thing. Put out. Are you fucking they sure, kidding yep. me? Oh, it's going to get weirder, my friend. You better buckle up because oh this is uh, we're about to go crazy down the rabbit hole. Are you joking my ass? <laughs> Are you funding me, son? Uh, lost in the hubbub, though, was the fact that the contemporary offerings of KFC caused its founder a considerable degree of disgust and consternation. Our beloved fried chicken magnate, who seemed in public to be as jolly and serene as Santa Claus, was actually one of the world's foremost worriers. The colonel maintained a vigilant fretfulness in the face of what had evolved into his overwhelming good fortune. And as we've seen, up until this point, he has been brutally fucked by fate for almost the entirety <laughs> of his life. Things are finally starting to get good, and he's like, 
When's the other shoe gonna drop, motherfucker? I'm ready. I got a knife, and I'm prepared to do goddamn battle with you sons of bitches. And then he walks into a room, and there's a big black leather couch. And he sits down on it, and the interviewer asks, How old are you? I'm about 70 years old. And, and where do you go to school? And <laughs> if that you know, you know. <laughs> is when the cannibalism started. We've done it seven times, and we're increasingly efficient at it. I'm in danger. <laughs> so, the colonel maintained a vigilant fretfulness in the face of what had evolved into his overwhelming good fortune. He had finally won money, fame, and the affection of his fellow citizens after years of slipping on the arrayed banana peels that fate had laid in his path. Now approaching the tender age of 80, he had lived to see the company he founded, the Kentucky Fried Chicken Corporation, grow from a one-man operation to one of the giants of the American food industry. A vast network of Kentucky Fried Chicken take-home food outlets covered every part of the nation but New York City, where the KFC franchising effort had just begun. In 1970, these outlets sold more than $500 million worth of fried chicken. I'm going to take that out of the running. That is not a lie. That is no bullshit. $500 million in 70. Jesus. Did they say why they didn't have any in New York? They had just started the franchising efforts. That's just really it. But, uh... So, uh, more prepared food in dollar volume than was sold by any other company on the planet. Yes. The company made millionaires of Sanders and more than a hundred other franchisees, many considered to be close friends of the Colonel's. You'd have to be at that point. Harlan's success had been artistic, not autistic. Right. As Indeed. As well as financial, as his secret recipe and his fast-frying process produced fried chicken of a quality hitherto unknown, regardless of your restaurant of choice. And yet, despite all these developments, the colonel could not rest easy. Oh, no. In the early 1970s, he was informed that Kentucky Fried Chicken and its 3,500 franchises had been acquired by Hubeline Incorporated, a company best known for distributing Smirnoff vodka. Bullshit. Yeah, I was going to say. Not bullshit. Really? As someone who spent his entire life rallying against liquor... Finger lickers notwithstanding. Uh, this was an insufferable affront. <laughs> Once the $285 million buyout was complete, the company was flush with new millionaires. But Colonel Sanders was not amongst them. As you will remember from our last episode, he was not allowed to purchase stock. So a perfectionist in an imperfect world, the colonel continued to dream of fried chicken so golden and delicious that it will bring tears to the eyes of a grown man, and of crackling gravy so sublime that, he says, it'll make you throw away the darn chicken and just guzzle the goddamn gravy. Hot. He did not say guzzle the goddamn gravy. He did not say guzzle the goddamn He said just eat the, eat the gravy. But, uh, <laughs> he runs a clean show. I was getting Indeed. too excited for that. <laughs> During most of his waking hours, the colonel had been haunted by the fear that someone, somewhere, would do something to hurt his chicken. Some upstart in the company may tamper with the recipe, or a careless franchisee may be undercooking or overcooking the product. And here came the barbarian hordes of distillation distributors to do just that. (laughs) 
The colonel was vexed almost beyond endurance by the subject of his famous gravy. The gravy served by KFC franchises in the 70s was good, but it was most certainly not the colonel's. When the great insatiable corporate belly began to grumble, company cooks and chemists were allegedly directed to seek out ways to reduce the expenses associated with the secret recipe spice spectrum. Fewer and cheaper ingredients would accumulate into millions of dollars in savings. And so, cooking the cracklin gravy he was so famed for was particularly demanding. And so, a powdered alternative was introduced. Despite his role as the so-called quality controller, Colonel Sanders was not kept abreast of these changes, pun not intended, uh, but he did receive letters from fans asking him why he kept changing the recipes. <laughs> Is that bullshit? No. Huh. Let's face it, the Colonel's gravy was fantastic, but you had to be a Rhodes Scholar to cook it, a company executive explained. It evolved too much time, it left too much room for human error, and it was just too expensive. This attitude was incomprehensible to the Colonel, who believed making money is a reward for the virtuous, not a matter of fucking cost accounting. How hard is it to make gravy, Courtney? It's super easy, but... What they've done with powdered gravies is essentially you can just mix it into water because it has all the starches in it needs to thicken. Whereas if you make a gravy from scratch, you're usually going to take like flour and butter and cook those down. And then you're going to add, depending on what kind of gravy you're making, a stock or milk to make like a bechamel. Mm -hmm. And so that process can get really lumpy if you don't do it right. It does take some know-how. And so switching to the packet, everything's going to be the same across the board. Yeah. Have you ever attempted to make a roux? Uh, she dies, motherfucker. <laughs> I rue that. I, I rue that joke. Uh, in any reference. event, um, uh, is the Rhodes Scholar statement bullshit? No, it is not. Huh. These are some interesting folks we're about to encounter, friend. So get ready. But besides, he would rather have memorable gravy than extra profits. That's my life motto, actually. Uh -huh. Memorable gravy. It's my family lo uh, motto. Well, just wait. If you were a franchisee turning out perfect gravy but making very little money for the company, another KFC executive who sounded exactly like the other one remarked, Sorry, uh, yeah. and I was a franchisee making lots of money for the company but serving gravy that was merely excellent, giving yourself plenty of credit, the colonel would think that you were great and I was a bum. With the colonel, it isn't money that counts. It's artistic talent. As yeah. Kentucky Fried Chicken franchises popped up around the world, 86-year-old Colonel Sanders crisscrossed the globe to attend grand openings and other special events. You can just touch my leg, Michael. This You're man fine. is Let's living the dream. He's just driving across the country Ooh. eating fried chicken. Well, now he's probably flying. I'm mildly aroused. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Sorry, there were two separate conversations going on yeah, here. Yeah, Michael was fondling me for a moment. That's, uh, it's bound to happen. Oh, Sorry, I'm, I'm needy. Now you're, I got the Charlie horse. This is going to be terrible. Wait, like actually? Mm -hmm. Oh, I know how to deal with Charlie oh. horses. You oh, better really keep all of this in. It's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, he's a. I'm almost done. Keep squeezing. <laughs> Should we go get Thank Loki you. so he can breathe on your upper thigh again? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to need it right on the balls this time. Okay, I, I can't help with Charlie horses of that mm. nature. Get in, get in that good gravy. <laughs> This was a horrible Ooh, idea. I love you and everything, but if you try and fuck my dog, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> With that attitude. Listen, don't is talk Michael about Becky dog? like that. It's just because she's not <laughs> in the house. If the dog gives consent. 
It's not appropriate at all. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes. Bark twice. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, your your bedroom forays start to make a lot more sense Can to I... me. Hold on. Becky, I... get the leash. <laughs> I haven't been able to get this out of my head since uh since becky told it to me but we took our dogs to the vet for like they're like an annual you know you just get them checked to make sure everything's going good or whatever sure and you gave them dogs. a rectal exam <laughs> i was like no pronounce it anal so they were looking at my pug albus and he uh he's back in a healthy weight range that's great um the only thing that they said that needed done with albus is that he'll need his teeth cleaned and they told becky that like they don't judge us for not cleaning Alice's teeth because it's going to be a little bit of a process because he has no handholds to be able to keep his mouth open because he's flat faced. <laughs> so just the the verbiage of there's there's no handholds to to get into his mouth. It's, sure. She was telling me about that the other night. We were both grabbing at his feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, not a particularly good bit, but uh, do we still warrant a small bow or no? All right. Well, neither do you. So. So Sanders was crisscrossing the globe to attend grand openings and other special events, determined to ensure that the product proudly boasting his visage lived up to his expectations. Sanders developed a fondness for paying surprise quality control visits to franchises as he passed through cities. If he found the chicken to be lackluster, the gravy substandard, or the cleanliness of the facility short of impeccable, an earful of criticism awaited the local management, as you would expect. On one occasion in 1976 at a franchise in Bowling Green, Kentucky, staff stood anxiously awaiting the colonel's assessment of as he sampled the day's gravy. "'How do you serve this goddamn slop?' he demanded. "'With a straw?' A reporter for the Courier Journal, uh, Courier Journal later quoted him as saying, My God, that gravy is horrible. They buy tap water for 15 to 20 cents a thousand gallons, and then they mix it with flour and starch and end up with pure wallpaper paste. And I <laughs> know wallpaper paste, by God, because I've seen my mother make it. There's no nutrition in it, and they ought not to be allowed to sell it. The wallpaper paste is bullshit. No, it is not. And he actually oh, said, God damn. He sure did. He fucking cusses like more than I do, John. <laughs> I know. I slide by a couple quotes on you last week, and now you think the only lies in the episode will just be his quotes. I see. You've hoved in on the wrong source, my friend. I am a detective. <laughs> <laughs> Dorky Miss Schmidt over here. All right. <laughs> This insult was, of course, more than the Bowling Green franchisee was prepared to bear, and they filed a defamation suit against the man whose face graced the front of their store. The court eventually threw out the case, ruling that Colonel was clearly discussing Kentucky Fried Chicken in general, rather than their restaurant in particular. It would not, however, be the last bit of litigation Sanders would be involved in. Go figure. In the meantime... Hubline was growing concerned about a new crispy offering from competing Church's Chicken. Executives decided to roll out extra crispy chicken with more breading and fewer spices, renaming the Colonel's recipe to Original Recipe. As we've learned earlier, they took the buttermilk out of it, and hence why my girlfriend can eat it. So... <laughs> Unabashed Sanders described the new offering as a damn fried dough ball spot welded on some chicken. 
and refused to have his name and likeness associated with it. His preferences, however, didn't hold much sway with the new owners of his name and likeness, and they went ahead and slapped his face on boxes of <laughs> Colonel Sanders' extra crispy chicken. This was, of course, an affront that, that Sanders could not stand. <laughs> In an effort to restore his reputation as a cook, Harland and Claudia, Miss oh. Mistress, Ooh. opened The Colonel's Lady a new restaurant that occupied the space in Louisville that was vacated when their headquarters was moved to Tennessee. Is this for real? This is for real. Huh. Fried chicken was also on the menu, amongst other things, but it was unclear whether it was secret recipe chicken. To advertise the restaurant, of course, Harlan returned to his tried-and-true method of painting signs. <laughs> oh, his first sign read in a large and grandiose red lettering, Make Tonight Mother's Day at the Colonel's Lady. In, in a smaller, subtle text beneath it, Keep your crispy in the bucket it belongs in, the trash can. Bullshit. No, I, whole, I, I can see him. I can see him doing that. The whole phrase. No, yeah, the whole phrase is bullshit. What phrase? <laughs> the, the lettering. You're on to something. <laughs> He's being if, if, he had to be, yeah. if, we, if I had to be specific, the the talking about crispy in the trash can. Yeah. Okay, that is bullshit. Oh, thank you. Uh, like but how, uh, like, you're the only host that makes it like like you. Yeah. It's like if you don't, yeah, you got to work don't for it, motherfucker. Yeah. Then you're not getting the exactly because uh, and I need the points. I also didn't say that that was the only lie that we're looping around here, friends. So you remember? Oh shit. <laughs> Your kids More think that one. I only put, like, one in a paragraph, I don't so. think that he painted signs. Well. <laughs> yes, this this whole paragraph is a, a fucking lie here, so you all can just get oh, yourselves back in here. But uh, the Make Tonight Mother's Day was actually a KFC advertisement that they ran for a significant amount of time. So... <laughs> Uh, naturally, this was not well received by Hugh Blyne, who immediately filed more litigation against Sanders, but this motion, too, was dismissed by the courts as crispy chicken was being sold by numerous chains at this point, including KFC and the originator of crispy, Churches. Sanders, being a former litigator, seemed just sly enough to continue to avoid any significant entanglements with the big business barristers. So, the colonel... It should be noted for context, as it will be brought to bear in the rest of our discussion here, does not play cards, smoke, or drink, except for an infrequent glass of wine with dinner, in adherence to the way his sainted mother raised him. Oh, mama. <laughs> now, signage was not only important to luring customers to the restaurant, but in enforcing policy inside the business as well. In the restaurant, Harland extended the teachings of his beloved mother to the masses. A little sign at the front entryway read, People that like us will not smoke in our establishment. People that will smoke in our establishment, we do not like. As evidence of his distaste for tobacco users, Sanders offered this tasty tidbit. I used to cuss the prettiest you ever heard, the colonel said in an interview with the New Yorker in 1970. I'd take the name of the Lord in vain, too, though I always apologized right then in my mind. <laughs> but apologizing wasn't good enough. The thing shouldn't have been said in the first place. I did my cussing before women and anybody else, but somehow nobody ever took any offense. 
Only one man ever called my hand on it. That was uh, at Richmond, Virginia, a fella from Norfolk. I'd been talking in my full vocabulary, I guess, unconsciously, don't you see, because it just come natural. And this fella, he said, Colonel, I want to say something to you. Nobody can appreciate all that cussing you do. And I said, I know that, and I'd give anything in a God of Mighty's world if I could quit. I've tried to quit, and I couldn't. But I further asserted, I'll tell you one thing, though. My cussing don't hurt nobody but me. But that goddamn cigarette smoker of yours is fouling up the air for ten feet around, and I haven't had a decent goddamn breath since you sat down here. Sanders, we know, was never one to mince words. Wow. So... Having not been stymied by their previous failures in litigation, according to Sanders' daughter, Margaret, so take this with a grain of fucking salt, uh, or a shot of penicillin, depending on your preference. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you know? Hubline claimed that they owned Sanders' face, the name Colonel, and his food creations wholesale, and began further legal proceedings to shutter the fledgling business that Harland had opened with Claudia. Sanders doubled down, which is funny because that's a famous sandwich, uh, countersuing the booze hounds for using his likeness to promote products he didn't goddamn develop, uh, and their frivolous litigation prior, as well as for interfering with his new business. I am not too proud of my name being associated with some of these restaurants, he was quoted as saying in the Milwaukee Journal. Everybody thinks I'm Kentucky Fried Chicken. They don't know these other fellows who really run things. I only want to find out how much of my body and soul they own. So Sanders and Hubline eventually settled out of court. <laughs> Hubline paid Sanders a million dollars, also agreeing to stop interfering with his new endeavor. Sanders agreed to change his restaurant's name to Claudia Sanders Dinner House. That restaurant is still in operation today. To answer your question, mm. that Road this trip. is a real thing. I was going to say, that warrants a visit for sure. It show is. So, though the colonel is sometimes cantankerous in private, he is a smooth, charming pro in public. Outgoing, warm, funny, never at a loss for words, and patient with the demands of fans. Outside of the New York area, he was probably as well known as any man in the country. Everywhere he went, he attracted crowds of housewives, grateful for all the nights in the kitchen that KFC spared them. This is from the 1970s New Yorker article, so you will have to indulge this. <laughs> the colonel stood by the hour with these women, signing autographs and posing for photographs. He knocked them dead with his flattery, but if you got close enough to him in a crowd, you could detect him muttering a running commentary to himself. Mmm, that gal's let herself go. <laughs> Look at Ooh. the size of that one. I don't know if I've seen this many hogs with neither slop nor trough in sight. Lord, look at them waddle. During these Ooh. sidewalk photo sessions, Ms. Sanders, who bore the affairs more easily than the colonel, sometimes stage-whispered in his ear, After this bunch goes, let's beat it. <laughs> when the colonel is with small children, however, oh, no. Satan be praised, it is his turn to be charmed. What chance has a grandpa got with a sweet little thing like that, he'll say quite sincerely. Aren't kids the finest folk in the world? As further evidence of his famed bedside manner, 
Sorry that that followed a talk of children, but... Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> the Colonel is notably, as the Tom Waits song of the same name claims, big in Japan. Japan of the 1970s was evidently a land untouched by turkeys. As a consequence, when the Western expatriates sought out holiday poultry, chicken was the nearest available analog. So when the marketing department of KFC discovered this, they launched a Kentucky for Christmas advertising campaign in Japan, suggesting that uh, the viewers visit one of their local KFC locations on December 25th, an otherwise unremarkable day in the 99% non-Christian nation. The delightfully alliterative invitation was surprisingly persuasive to the Japanese and expatriates alike, and the Kentucky for Christmas tradition persists to this day. I've been curious about this since, what, episode one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Around the holidays, scores of people in Japan spend hours waiting in chicken lines, and Colonel Sanders acts as a stand-in for Santa Claus. That's not bullshit at all? You can pre-order it, like, three weeks out. So, like, that's the whole thing is, like, you want to get your chicken order before everybody else does. It's almost like Asher and Thanksgiving. Because what Asher does every Thanksgiving here in the Valley, so in Phoenix, mm. is he's a vegetarian and has been ever since I've known him. And his mom is as well. And Green is his favorite restaurant. It's an all-American vegetarian oh. restaurant. Good and stuff. they do, you know, fake turkey and, mm -hmm. and the whole, like, they do a whole Thanksgiving spread. Right. And you pre-order it almost you know that length out and every year he's like you should come do it. it's a lot of fun he's he's made like lifelong friends standing in those lines <laughs> um so i guess i guess i can believe it but it's something hard to wrap your head around if you've never i've well, never heard of it really never but experienced take it, take yeah. into account this is one of those culture clash moments here where you kind of think about this steakhouses in japan are also like very difficult to track down because think they don't exactly have grazing room on that country like, they're action-packed with people. There's not a lot of places where you can raise livestock or poultry or anything like this, so you cannot get good beef over there. It's not a thing. Is that true? So. No. Oh, oh, your eyes went really big. <laughs> they're world-renowned for their beef. Well, I mean... Their they, Wagyu beef, it is, they are world-renowned Yeah, but for where it. do you get Kobe, it? Everywhere. It, everywhere sells it. We had it on the streets. We really? had it in restaurants. You can get it anywhere. But is it imported, or do they no, raise they, it? they raise it there. Where? They well, have farms. They're, well, maybe, it's expensive. It's very expensive. Yeah, was but it is the them. highest quality beef you can because get. Because they don't export. No, they do in very small batches, and it's very well, so maybe yeah, they, I'm sorry. They export to what? Singapore and like. No, what you can other? get it in the U.S. So Kobe I'm. Beef? Yeah. So I'm not yeah. an intellectual here. Hmm. So sorry. I'm going to be a mediator. So what <laughs> I think happens is. They do have. They we all agree that beef is a good idea. Oh, shut the <laughs> no, fuck up! No, um, so what I think happens is they have to choose. Right? I think it's what like, what, what do I'm they probably raise? I'm basing this off of discussion from people who spent time in the '80s over there, specifically talking about a very different brand of like particular steak houses okay. and said that it was difficult to find anything over there that was livestock related. But this is also 20 years prior to likely when our friend here was visiting. <laughs> so, so they don't have traditional American steakhouses. Right. Like yeah. what we would say is a steakhouse. That's no peanuts totally on the factual. floor. No, <laughs> we don't have those here either because I was kill people. But there's actually a lot of people, when they think of Japan, they think of the big cities. But there's actually lots of rural land out there. So they do actually have quite a bit of farmland. And so they grow very specialty beef. Um, some of their fruits and vegetables, because it's so hard to grow them, are very expensive. 
So you're not seeing it in the mass quantity because they don't have factory farms like we do. They grow everything very small batch, and it's all delicious. It's making more sense. I think I was on the right track. I was mm-hmm. gonna say you choose what you prioritize. Right, right. But the, so the, thing the poultry, know... poultry not being there makes or. If there was a lack of poultry, that would make sense. If they're allocating more of their time and energy, probably also into the not beef. a naturally occurring right creature over there <laughs> on an island. <laughs> this is go been, figure. Uh... <laughs> but one thing that I knew about Kobe beef was that it was only recently started to be exported, and it was only exported to other cities in the, I guess, the Pacific sort of ring. And unless I'm completely, I'm completely wrong about that. I feel like but, I definitely ate it in New York in 2013, but I will fact check myself on that. Okay. That was sold by Kobe Bryant. It's different. <laughs> yeah, because that was the whole thing was that like the only recently within the last decade started exporting to places like Singapore. But what does this have to do about <laughs> because the, the whole yeah, we, we well, seem to sorry. have gotten off, as, off as track. A, as a slight aside, what I know about Kobe beef is that it is the the beef, the cows are very well tended. They are actually fed sake, mm-hmm. um, and they are actually really well tended to, where they are supposed to be bred without any sort of stress. So that the beef doesn't have any. That's the whole idea. <laughs> They're pretty much kept liquored up the whole time. And the idea is that their beef doesn't get any sort of, because they're not tense at all throughout their whole life, their beef is supposed to be very succulent. So if you let veal grow up, it's it's Kobe beef. That, yeah, that's the idea. Is so this that, is how yeah. we're going to serve Sam when she dies. <laughs> no, I feel like she's had a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of tension. You could taste the fear in that meat. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Tony has. Okay, well, back on track. <laughs> back into fear. Uh, as each location, well, here we are. In 1970s, Sanders went to Japan several times to pay promotional visits to hundreds of KFC franchises. At each location, he encountered a life-size molded plastic Colonel Sanders doppelganger, its hands outstretched in a welcoming pose. One of these statues was famously flung into the Dontombori River by riotous celebrators when the Hanshin Tigers baseball team won the Japan Championship Series in 1985. The team's performance declined sharply in subsequent years, an effect which local legend attributes to the curse of the colonel, a supernatural punishment for defiling the colonel's graven image. I thought the curse of the colonel is when you eat three famous foals in one sitting. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I thought it was what people got when they slept with Claudia after she'd been away for a couple of days. <laughs> the but... curse of the colonel. <laughs> it's called chlamydia, children. <laughs> Extra crispy. It burns going in and coming out, unfortunately. Oh, God. <laughs> it was believed that the team was doomed to lose every Japan League championship until the colonel was recovered from the river and restored to its rightful place. I'm not sure if history has ever willed that out because I didn't care enough to look it up. But uh, just, just because I need to do it. Is the curse of the colonel bullshit? No, it is not. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't ask, I would have been thinking about it. They are it. <laughs> a cowardly and superstitious lot over there, my friend. We did bomb them back to smithereens. <laughs> Jesus <so>. Christ. <laughs> He's been waiting to, like, pepper that in since he started. Hey, Duan told me I have a blank check here, so I'm... I'm That's true. Once just going to barrel also, through this. Uh, make you sure you check, check out Country Brothers every Monday on Indeed. your preferred platform. Yeah, John. <laughs> yes, me. <laughs> <laughs> 
What I'm saying is that the colonel's food goes through you like fear through the Japanese army. That's that's all I'm driving at. Anywho. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, God. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> These are the jokes, kids. Oh, that was good. That was good. Uh, in April of his 89th year on God's Green Earth... <laughs> Colonel Sanders was, was dispatched to Japan for yet another promotional tour. He's very popular over yonder. He made personal appearances in hundreds of stores and posed for photographs with thousands of individual fans. He felt unusually exhausted upon his return home. As weeks passed, the exhaustion did not diminish, and several weeks later he was diagnosed with acute leukemia. Sanders spent the next few months in and out of the hospital, still making public appearances when he was able. He knew that his end was coming soon, and he implored the franchises to remain open on that day when it finally came. The people must not be deprived of chicken. Can I make a Michael joke real quick? Have at it. What's so cute about leukemia? <laughs> can I... Wrecked him. Damn was, near killed him. Was leukemia bullshit? It was not. I, I'm i not even that low. I, I say after having just made like a bombing joke. I had to ask... I, I had to ask. I had to put it out there. All right. Well, can I appreciate you, guys eat you. Fried chicken on the day I die. I definitely can do that. Perfect. <laughs> I was planning on eating you the day you died. That's but, coming you know, up. So. Everybody, mark your calendars. So, speaking of which, I was going to save this, but I, I need to oh, remind no. myself. Uh, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> Stop. Uh, no, have you? Have you? Has anyone watched the new Netflix? The I, new, like it hasn't been out for a couple of years. The Sabrina uh, show yes. on. I've no. watched season one, and okay. season one was delightful. I and feel then like season two really fell apart. For I me. feel like it is exactly. what Harry Potter is in the minds of Christian parents. <gasps> you are absolutely. The second I watched right. that, like once the orgies started happening, I was like, "This is what people told their kids like Harry Potter was about: was people doing magic, uh, light as a feather, uh, light as a feather, stiff as a board, and then just having orgies upstairs." It's like, yeah, this Reminds is it. The, the meme for, uh, format right now, or of like I'm gonna tell my kids this was, and then you put a picture. So like, just put the Sabrina cast and just like, uh, I'm gonna tell my kids, my grandkids, this is Harry Potter. Yep. <laughs> It's reasonable, but I the second I saw that I was like, this is this is exactly what everyone was terrified of. Also, compliments to Shane for joining us in the twenty first century because when I first met Shane, he never was gonna have internet and he was never gonna use a streaming service. And uh now we can have these conversations. To your credit, and to someone else's credit as well, I did not join the twenty first century. You were thrust into I was brought by attrition and I just am along for the ride. The like shame grandpa that... on a roller coaster, I'm just sitting in the back shitting myself and hoping it's gonna be over soon. The shame that I knew was very much a Colonel Sanders of Internet. <laughs> Internet why, why am I spending money for something that I can steal from Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> You got me talking chicken politics. Listen, I can masturbate in public as well as anybody. My lineage has proven this out. It is my destiny. <laughs> the stick of destiny, as it were. Okay. This is never... I'm sorry, I forgot about your affiliations, Michael. Forgive me. Huh? Hello? Huh? Where am I? I'm still trying to figure that out myself. So, the colonel had become interested in religion in his later years, as we have learned. And one day, he asked a reverend whether God could help cure him of his addiction to foul language. What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. The reverend quoted from the Bible in reply. So, the colonel prayed. 
He said that he then felt as though a great weight was lifted from his shoulders. His troubles with profanity were finally over. That's not to say that he stopped his constant cursing, far from it. But he from then on, he would say a silent prayer for forgiveness immediately following the vulgarities, and that seemed to do the trick. I just like that his like, life arc is like, I can't stop saying fuck. <laughs> uh, it's a truth big, indeed. <laughs> Bruh. Harlan Sanders... Shuffled loose of the mortal coil on the... I, did, I don't have a segue for this bit, so we're yeah. just going to go right into it. Press uh, he passed on at the 16th of December in 1980 at the age of 90. His casket was put on display in the rotunda of the Kentucky State Capitol building where mourners and dignitaries paid their respects. The governor of Kentucky, one John Y. Brown Jr., who you will remember is one of the people who manipulated the colonel into selling the franchise shipped his casket to japan where they threw him in the same river <laughs> that would be fantastic that uh that joke don't float no. <laughs> we all float. Uh. indeed uh so john y brown who fucked the colonel quite literally gave the eulogy go figure sanders daughter margaret went on to write an account of her upbringing titled and i shit you not the colonel's secret 11 herbs and a spicy daughter are you fucking kidding me? Not kidding. That's why I said I'm a little uh, dubious Jesus. about Margaret's sanity. In it, she explained how she was her father's favorite child, never one to self-aggrandize, and she credited herself for some of the pivotal innovations that led to the success of Kentucky Fried Chicken. It also included a curious quantity of details about her father's sex life, <laughs> including an anecdote from the night of her own conception. Oh. But other Sanders relatives are quick to point out that Margaret's version of events is not universally agreed upon. Go figure. Because there was a lot of people in that room. Obviously. I mean, you have to have onlookers. That's the only way pagan rites are effective. Give her the secret sauce. <laughs> Wrong restaurant, my friend. <laughs> Where's my herb, Dustin? <laughs> Nine spices. Ten spices. Eleven spices more. Is he counting strokes? Or? That's it. Wait for the batter, honey. It's coming. <laughs> and then we're going to boil you clean. Uh, are you ready for my sweetness? <laughs> Butter my biscuits, baby. I'm about to give you the gravy. <laughs> there it is. And there we go. crackling gravy. <laughs> Baby gravy, in fact. <laughs> Face, neck, and chest. Let me straighten my string tie before I go back out to meet with your family. <laughs> 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 where have you put my cane? <laughs> and that's where Raising Canes was founded. It makes all the sense. This goes Indeed. all the way to the top. Oh. <laughs> Come right back around. This is called improv, kids. Learn the lesson. <laughs> so furthering discussions of the Colonel's bedroom forays, Kentucky Fried Chicken sexualized Sanders with the 2017 publication of Tender Wings of Desire, a romance novel featuring Harland as the love interest. Despite the quirky cover, which we will be featuring on Instagram this week because it is disgusting. It is him in the signature suit with the sleeves torn off so that his biceps are showing. Ooh. Are they pathetic biceps? Or nice no, biceps. they're muscled. He, he's very well toned. He made a lot of chicken. Mm. And he milked a lot of ladies. Yeah, he did. A yes. lot of gravy. <laughs> Lady Ooh. gravy. Gross. Uh, so, <laughs> Tender Wings of Desire is not a satire, nor fast food fan fiction, or subversive mascot erotica by Chuck Tingle. 
It was published by KFC as a promotional stunt for Mother's Day 2017, a date that shall live in infamy. <laughs> According to KFC's <laughs> official statement on the matter, Mother's Day is KFC's best-selling day of the year. So this year, KFC is giving moms the ultimate gift with its first romance novella, Tender Wings of Desire, featuring Harlan Sanders as the love interest. Is that bullshit that it was the... Sadly, no. No, they were very big on Mother's Day, even back to the bucket days, because it huh. was food that you could take to go on a picnic, so mom didn't have to do any cooking or cleanup. Uh... So I meant it when I said for the sign earlier. I'm not kidding. That was one of their big, uh, you know, selling phrases for advertising. But the idea was you'd pick up $20 worth of fried chicken and this dubious 96-page book, plop both down in front of your dam or mother of your unfortunate children, and flee to enable her to finally get what she wants this year. A family meal she don't have to cook and some alone time with a captivating novella per the poets of the KFC Public Relations Department. Bullshit. Not bullshit. <laughs> For more finger-licking fun outside of the bedroom, I'm including the link that fully details the inglorious bits of this fan fiction in the show notes, so oh. you can see this tale for yourself. When are we reading that? Yeah, I was going to say, I'll read that. <laughs> uh, it's 96 pages. I think we can get through it. That's oh, all about <laughs> It'll and probably be appropriately spelled oh, for once. Only so, because I just finished watching episode two of The Sopranos. Just when I thought they, that I'm out, they pull me back in. Um, that's Godfather Part Three, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's a character in the the show. Pretending I've to seen be The Sopranos. I know the joke. I'm just giving you shit. Do you know Tony? Okay, you're fired. Is that a, is that a show? What's that? Um, it is a, it's, a it's just, stuff. yeah, it's just part of the choir. Oh, uh, okay. John's confused. <laughs> See, <laughs> John is a counter tenor, as we've learned wow. from years of uh, performing I, music. I can't public. count anything, so. Can you say that? <laughs> I can. <laughs> He's been cucked by God. So, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken Today, officially shortened to KFC in 1991, is a subsidiary of Yum Brands, as Courtney is so fond of telling us and their headquarters was moved back to Kentucky years ago. As of this writing, KFC is the largest restaurant chain in the world, with about 19,000 locations, selling ambiguously seasoned dinosaur descendants to every human on every continent, except Antarctica. Let's fuck them. Yes. That's uh, penguin fried penguin. Aw, <laughs> yes. penguins are cute. PFP. Probably delicious, too. Yeah. I mean, that's, honestly, uh, yeah. That's, right. that's why they're endangered. Everybody wants a little penguin in their mouth. Independent laboratory testing has suggested the only seasonings in modern KFC are salt, pepper, sugar, and as Uncle Roger would tell us, the king of flavor, MSG. Oh my god, we were talking about MSG before you guys got Naturally. here. Naturally. I'm probably going to do a whole episode on it. Despite the uh, the corporate claims to the contrary, they have tested it and it's got MSG in it. Uh, so although Sanders had always insisted on frying with vegetable oil for the best flavor in the 1990s, the company switched to a cheaper palm and soybean oil recipe. Crass caricatures of the colonel appear on television promoting crass caricatures of his food. And the current corporatized biography of Colonel Sanders' life has been watered down more than a bowling green gravy. One can only imagine how Harlan Sanders would respond to the continued use of his name and likeness in the modern manifestation of his restaurants. 
He'd probably have a thing or two to say about supernatural deities, bodily excretions, procreation, and the temperament and marital status of the executive parents. He would probably make every attempt to legally bar the company from putting his face on buildings, buckets, and boxes containing the imposter products. And, failing all else, he probably would have challenged those slick, silk-suited sons of bitches to some terrific fisticuffs. To settle the matter of who owns his body and soul, once and for all. And that, my friends and listeners, is the tale of Colonel Holland Sanders. What a fucking Ooh. journey. Yeah. Say, uh, a lot of experiences that uh, we would not have had otherwise, I know. Kind of sad to see it done. Yeah, sure. Same. Well, I well, mean, I'm sure I can find something else interesting. I'll go read <laughs> Margaret's book about how she was the greatest and probably the best layer dad ever had. She was a daddy saucy daughter. Daddy that was totally my daddy. <laughs> he licked me like his mama's wallpaper paste. Oh. Oh. Ooh. Um. All right, Goofy. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for being included included here. Thanks for you know, I'm just contributing. trying to talk. Yeah. Didn't want to ruin our our blissful recording experience. How many experience did we here. snag of those lies? Uh, I think you got uh, two, two at the least. Man, three. The first instance of litigation over the slander was that a lie? No, no. The Bowling Green folks really did get their balls in an uproar over uh, him saying their gravy was god awful. <laughs> All right. Um, I think there's three because and one of them technically was kind of like the both of you together because, like I said, that whole paragraph is is kind of a full lie. So here we go. I'll take partial credit. The Eiffel Tower. I'm running down. So lie number one was just guzzling the goddamn gravy as John snagged because no one wants to do that. Lug lug. Oh no. Three (laughs) thousand. Oh. You can run, but you can't hide, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, the number two lie was that he described the uh, extra crispy as a damn dough ball spot welded onto some chicken. Oh, I wanted to call it, but I felt like I was. I, you'd berated me already during the episode of just being trigger happy. Hey, it's all it's all uh, fair, John. Oh, I can yeah. I can tell you that it's a it's a false trail and. Uh, you believed me. Ah, so Yeah, I know. Ah, You're the only good person on this show with lies. Sorry. I mean... <laughs> wow. I think we're going to need to have a uh, an arbitrator in here for a little discussion between the two of you later. Courtney's the best cook. <laughs> <laughs> well, that goes without saying. Hey, hey we Shane's... weren't talking about the forum in which one cooks, because I think I can give her a run for her money. Ooh-wee. I got some fry oil that I'm percolating down below my nethers right oh, now. Oh, he's talking about cum. <laughs> I don't. Oh! I don't cook cum. I just serve it. <laughs> he sends it. It's lukewarm. <laughs> uh, for the listeners, Shane made a Spider-Man motion. I did the hands. Sanders egg toss, is what I did. That's uh, okay. So that was a lie and number looks two. Traumatized for life now, so that's great. <laughs> Be free, little birds. Be free. <laughs> um, this one you may or may not uh, call me cheap for, but I wanted to see who was really paying attention. So when I said that uh, the Colonel's Lady was founded in Louisville, where their headquarters was, it's not in Louisville. It's Shelbyville, Kentucky, my friends. You should have been paying attention last time. The only thing I want to say is I know people that are from Kentucky, and they say it's Louisville. It is Louisville. I don't give a flying fuck what those backwoods... 
would but call I also it. don't care how people say it. So, yeah. Well, you got your only, maybe only uh, woohoo on the episode. <laughs> oh, we can't say that word anymore. I, I thought it was your said, favorite word, I'm John. Ready to censor it. I'm trying to be a better man. <laughs> Try harder. You do, I this am. Episode, you do this podcast. That's a that's a step backwards. Um, and backwoods, as uh, we were just remarking. But so. I was going to I was going to agree with a majority of what Shane was saying that uh, people from Kentucky, my father included, aren't really uh, they don't really respect the English language. Well, we already so. established from like uh, a couple episodes ago that they aren't like Alabama Roll Tide levels, but they are first cousins. Kissing cousins. So, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty close, pretty close, but not real tight. My, my family's from West Virginia predominantly, so I don't respect people from Kentucky. We've I mean, you're only this. connected by country roads, so. I mean, the only uh, good people that came out of Kentucky are Mr. James E. Cornett and Muhammad Ali. So, second most recognizable Damn. athlete in the world. I'm just kidding. Hunter Thompson is also from Kentucky. Really? So, mm, huh. Yeah. Uh. Anywho. This is where you put in the more you know. The I, I love the state of Kentucky. I just, you know, fuck me. I pulled the Michael. I said Louisville. <laughs> Not Louisville. No, you got to pretty Louisville much say Redenbachers like you're incredibly drunk. Still don't, still I, think don't what, uh, I think what Shane's trying to get at is that he's really sorry that he mispronounced one word in the course of these uh, four and a half hours <laughs> of presenting. Mm-hmm. I'm a stickler for that ever since someone told me that Versailles spelled, you know, French way. Is so Versace? V-E-R- S A I L L E S is pronounced Versailles, Versailles. In, in Kentucky. And ever since yes. that, I, I I can't. I'm a stickler for however the fuck they pronounce their this shit. This is the hill you're gonna die on, Mike. You yes. are you that are is really. The hill I will die on. When you're finally ready for it, you are going to love Dune. Well, listen, Michael, you're a you're a Tita Taller, and I've always said that about you. So <laughs> obviously, I respect the way that people pronounce things. So, anywho, to advertise his restaurant, Harlan returned to uh, paint and signs. Obviously, that is not true, and so nothing on the sign was true. Right. Subsequently, the you can keep your crispy in the bucket, it belongs in the trash, one of my better crafted lines, I will admit. Um, so uh, Hobline did not sue him for having created that sign, obviously, because <laughs> there wasn't a sign to sue him over, and so there was no litigation there. So regardless of his skill as a barrister, didn't really matter in that instance. So all of that was one paragraph, and I considered that a single lie. So... That is number four. Number five is the sign that hung in the restaurant. Actually, uh, he did not have anything in the restaurant saying that you could not smoke there. That was the sign that was in his living room, and he and Claudia were not very fun. But the sign does exist. There's people that will smoke in our home. Uh, We don't... People that like us will not smoke in our home. People that will smoke in our home we do not like. That was the sign. That is number five on the list of lies. Number six was that uh, he did not counter-sue Hubline for their frivolous litigation because they had only sued him once up to that point. And so that was uh, kind of just slid in amidst the other things I know. And number seven is the quote of saying, uh, as he's muttering under his breath about the women who are signing autographs, the I have I don't know when I've seen so many hogs with neither slop nor trough in sight. That is a Shane line. I had the thought when you said that, that, that sounds like something Shane would say. Indeed. Uh, his, his actual line was, I don't know what I've seen so many fat ones. 
So I figured I could trust that one up just a little bit better yeah, you, on my own. A little own. more artistry on your end. I try to be artisanal with my uh, slander and slur, uh, as we have seen here. And uh, <laughs> oh, damn it! And that's twenty dollars in the swear jar this evening. I'm just making your life easier, Michael. That's what I'm how, here for. How would we make a digital swear jar? Firstly, I'd have to that. give a damn if I offended somebody, and that's it's just true. not going to happen. And uh, so there you are, folks. That is the seven lies of Sanders wow. for this evening's festivities. Seven lies. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. I just thought of a ring. <laughs> Your wife's not home yet, John. Give it a minute. Not yet. Oh, no. What I happened? meant the ring doorbell. What were you talking about? the butthole again yeah <laughs> you cretin it's cretin to you thanks what crate are we putting it in <laughs> the crate and barrel something i haven't gotten to ask oh no uh -oh. in almost a month who what's the next topic who this is one you've been preparing for you've been so excited for because we're gonna get high yeah oh yeah i'm excited to get high with you but oh well, i know you don't care about my episode but you're excited What's funny is that I think Courtney got a little preview of what's to come because <laughs> Jonah and Courtney were over on Monday. Well, Jonah and Courtney invited us to trivia at a bar that's a mile from here. And we won. Yeah. What's the name of your trivia team? Uh, this week, because we were a bigger team, we were bigger Tanuki Energy, but we're usually just big Tanuki Energy. Well, um, what was that old phrase that I used to see from John in our chats previously? Was, oh, yes. Thanks for the invite. I think. <laughs> Would you be Oof. interested in trivia in the future? Uh, I mean, your lives are trivial, so I mean, I'm I'm here, aren't I? Fantastic. I'm involved. Well, the the place closes pretty early because it's newer and because of. So do know, I. So gener it's, we have generally you just shrug at the the world right now. Um, so we invited Jonah and Courtney over to have like a, a drink and just like shoot the shit, and I offered Courtney an edible. When we when we got here, it's always so tawdry with these stories. <laughs> so I offered her an edible, and she she took one. And then I saw that Becky had take like Becky does tiny tiny bites on these edibles because she wants a little bit of a high, just enough to go to sleep, but not enough to be like fucked up. Uh, so I can I, only get so aroused. Please stop with the detail. <laughs> so I took I took the remainder of that edible, so not even a whole a whole like full serving, if you mm -hmm. will, and. They stayed long enough to see what happens when the edible first kicks in to me because I could not. I, I I sounded like Michael, and I think Courtney even said that that I was going full Michael. Damn. Yeah, you. It's funny how chatty you got, and like your eyes kind of glazed over, kind of like Michael's are at all times, and you were just kind of just like talking, and it was pretty entertaining. Well, thank you. Damn, I'm getting really excited here. I uh. I found out firsthand. <clears throat> Sorry, there's cum in my throat. Uh, I found out firsthand what it's like to be Sam in the morning after a night out. Oh. Because when I woke up, I was like, oh, they probably think I am. If they didn't already, they probably definitely think I am the stupidest man to walk the surf. <laughs> that was really funny because you were very engaged in all the conversation. Like, you were just like, what is happening? And I was like, he's feeling it. This so, really what you're great. saying is that it, it might be worthwhile. To take an edible and listen to Michael talk. No, I think what she was saying is she's got a regret right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got that reference. 
You're gonna get to edit that clip too, so I just I hope you're ready. Did I? Did Are I you clip? feeling it? The air is so cold and numb. Uh, <laughs> oh, you fell short be this, this time. morning. Oh. She uh, she she let you come to her room. Well, I'll feel that. <laughs> you know. Wow. Things fell short this time. Yikes. <laughs> Your smile short. fades in the summer, and this podcast is done, <laughs> and I'm going to leave when I want to. Bye. <laughs> um, I think I, I'll make it in time because it's in the drive now, but we should be hearing new outro music. No. I can't. Can we just take a moment to talk oh, about no. <laughs> the fact that... <laughs> Your your fuckboyisms are gonna be the death of us because we have been building like good sex. We have been trying to you know erect some uh, momentum here. We're creating new artwork that we're going to unveil, and all of this energy and effort's been going to hundred episodes, hundred episodes. Okay, okay. This motherfucker over here. Breathing out of his mouth like it's a goddamn right and privilege. He's like, I'm going to put my new music on the day after I make it. Episode 93, right? Right? Like, do you not I have a fucking clue how to roll shit out? Is this why our music never gets any traction? Because you're like, yeah, I released it Tuesday morning, 2 a.m. I was up and I was so excited. So it's out now. It's out. We got it, right? It's like, did you tell any of the radio stations? Yeah, yeah. I told them Tuesday morning, 2 a.m. Is that when you told them? I was like, yeah, right when I released it, I told them it's out. I resent this. I'm like, what the never fuck happened. are you doing, man? He just hates our new hit single. I would. He? I know Courtney <laughs> lent her beautiful voice. Oh well, okay, yeah, she offered to sing. So good luck, learn my parts. I hope you have a, a oh, great time touring, oh, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Did you not? He didn't listen. He didn't listen. I listened to it. It was shit. I hated it. You guys are. Uh, <laughs> No, hold on. Let me give you my honest opinion. Don't quit your day jobs. Uh, <laughs> I don't have Press one. F. I'm dying. Listen, <laughs> I've, pro- I've been professionally telling Michael to shut the fuck up for a year now, and I'm featured in two seconds of that song. <laughs> you're not featured at all, so now I think because like, you're I just know trying to compensate en- for the fact that value. they can't talk on the show I know and try value. to blame me for this. You don't value. You don't want me to talk. <laughs> no. <laughs> He doesn't you, want me to talk. Exactly. So I'm trying to feature. It's 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 a way of saying Courtney's here to stay. I've had four straight episodes of me doing almost nothing but talking. Don't start cucking me now. <laughs> He's like, finally, we're getting where we need to be. I am the Jim Jones of this podcast, which means everything is here to serve me. And the second you step out of line, I'm going to kill us. Can so I the Kool Aid now, or we want to wait on it's that? It's not Kool Aid. <laughs> it's flavor aid and i have written permission from the last podcast on the left to correct everybody when they say that yeah i listened Oof. to that episode i don't care yeah you Oof. created a monster over here Oof. well no one wants to see shane no more they want jim jones your chopped liver yeah i know <laughs> so that's why i said i'm quitting good okay. luck okay well hope if you it makes you feel fun. better and if you want to put a fucking <laughs> Yes, we're going to put the new music on for episode 100. Yes, we're then we'll t- fucking have the new outtreats. <laughs> Christ, like I, you know, milestones are important. Lest That's the rest of our life be as banal as the you know everyday existence. You can't have side topics over here, asshole. <laughs> no, 
Furthermore, uh, I have access to all of our sites, so I can just shut this shit down whenever oh, I no. want to. And oh, this, shit. this is the second time in over a year that we've all been in the same room, so it's fun to fall apart. And it'll be the last one for at least two years now. So, episode 150, when I'm hosting by myself. Oh, no. This is the Disinformed Shane cast. Featuring <laughs> Shane. All Shane, Hi, all Shane. the time. <laughs> and Michael. Hey, this is Michael. He's just got a soundboard that's like, oh, 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 oh. I have that soundboard and it is sexy. No, I'm, I'm actually just trying to improve the quality. Oh. So if I eliminate you entirely, I think <laughs> the listenership's just going to skyrocket. Here's the argument to be made that... Uh, not to not to humble brag as a band with Shane here, but oh god, here we, uh, we go. bought a we bought a new mixer for the band. Oh um, shit! Here's, here's for John the, to play with. No, 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 no. Here's here's the real thing that we do. We use the mixer for the podcast, and that way Shane has a mute button for Michael that he can hit on, like that actually kills Mike's audio. No, I have a mute button for Michael. It's called a throat shot. <laughs> he is within range. That karate chop was dangerously close to taking off his fucking head. Yeah, it's supposed to be. <laughs> you nearly cut him in half pretty bad. Oh, man. Why, why, why is it I'm always plagued by Michael C. Riley quotes? Like, why do I have to live in this world? <laughs> the thing is, is that I didn't... Oh, no, we're not going on a Michael can't you C. Just make, why can't you just make quality jokes from time to time, John? That's all I'm asking. I made the best joke of my career on this podcast not 20 minutes ago. And no one but Courtney appreciated it. Oh, you were speaking? Yes. Oh, okay. I know. Sorry, it was acutely you. funny. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, John has no end to this bit, so he's just going to watch it die in front of him. <laughs> and that's a fun thing. Thank you all for being here. As per usual, we sincerely appreciate your listenership, your presence here, and your support as we move on to ShaneCast 2021. <laughs> Season 3. Grand times for everybody. But uh, if you're enjoying your experience here, you can convey it to us in myriad ways. Firstly, Michael has got some instructions we can offer away from the tubes of you. Oh, 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 shit. He wasn't this expecting is, to have to talk. Smash the like button? Is, is, that, what, is no. that what the kids do? Mm -hmm. nope. I, I'm scared. I'm confused. You can you can like and subscribe. Oh, yeah. You can, yeah, you yeah. can write a review to tell us how you oh, feel yes. about us. And and spread the word, please. You yes, won't. You know, recommend balls. it to a friend. I guarantee you can. We're your enemies. Find the person you hate the most. Send them a link to our podcast and say Michael's very insightful. Amen. Ramen. Well, episode forty, done. There you go. And to quote episode forty-one, forty-three percent Michael. Who do we have beef with right now? Don't we have beef? Uh, Greg Cohen. Wait, Taco Bell, actually. Taco Bell. I, I read an episode. <gasps> the Quesalupa. Yeah. I'm surprised that wasn't like the original like first uh, 30 minutes of this episode. Uh, they cut the Quesalupa for all those who care. I mean, I can still get a quesadilla. Yeah. But you can't get the Quesalupa. Yeah, but I can get cheese in some form or fashion. I mean, anything that leaves Taco Bell, <laughs> other the than the potato <laughs> taco, is still going to be around in some form or fashion. So we're not going to die on this hill. For no, only potatoes. Okay, well, we won one battle, so I mean, I feel like we can't get too... Yeah. Won the battle, lost the war. You have a very flawed I have a very flawed <laughs> You have a very foggy. Yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, very tasty. 
Uh, Also, by the way, there's content whipping your way every single wonderful week, three days a week, or at least it was until y'all cut things short. But I have a little uh, fun bit of nonsense that occurred this last Friday for all of you fans who thought you were going to be missing out on an After Dark. It uh, it didn't happen, and you all know why. But the folks in the room here haven't a foggy fucking clue as to what I'm talking about, and that's how I like it. I'm scared and confused and slightly aroused. Story of your mother's life, I suppose. But uh, anywho, you can find us for fun fan fiction on the tubes of you on Wednesdays, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And of course, we have After Dark Fun and Frivolity winging your way on Friday mornings, same bat time and channel. And of course, new episodes of this saintly little podcast are winging your way Monday mornings. And that is it. Five o'clock in the anti-meridian on the mountain time, if you're so inclined. So, you can find us if you are still interested in hearing more fun, and there is a back catalog in the archives of so much stuff. So much. Nearly so much. 100 episodes worth of topics. Well, ladies and German folks, thank you for being here. We are going to bid you a fond farewell and adieu, and I'm going to strangle Michael to death. And then I might move on to John. And my tiny nipples went to France. <sighs> For the Disinformed Podcast this week, I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. Thank you all for being here, and as per usual, so long and good Sanders.